Today on Podcast by the Bay, a detailed analysis of the defeated state bill SB 827. I think the, the, uh, we're all passionate about housing, but until we settle, until we get uh, on the peninsula some regional, uh, regional answers to solving the problems, and I can't begin to tell you, I would say 90% of the mayors that I interviewed want to see a transit district or want to see some kind of plan to happen. Discussing many of the components and an opportunity. An opportunity for solution. An opportunity for change. All coming up on today's discussion between Patrick and Andre about SB 827. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty. Serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.liberty-realtyinvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com And now, another podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to this edition of Podcast by the Bay. We thank you for being with us. We thank you for downloading the show and for spreading the word to all your friends. We definitely appreciate it. And so today, we actually have a very special show in the sense that Patrick and myself, we're going to get down into the discussion, right? We're going to talk about one of the hot topics that are happening right now here in California. And just yesterday... We had the defeat of the bill SB 827, and that's for the transit-rich housing. And so, Patrick, you've actually been uh, going and speaking with all the mayors. You've been speaking with a lot of the officials. We've been talking to people in the community. I'm looking at people uh, talking about this issue all over Twitter. So really, just your initial assessment about the bill and just your initial feedback. what's, What's kind of your initial assessment about it? Well, I, I think all intentions, Scott Weiner was trying to to solve a problem um, with the housing dilemma that we have on the peninsula. And obviously, Senator Weiner's bill had to be revised again. But before I get into that, I wanted to, to briefly tell, I've interviewed over 11 or 12 mayors in San Mateo County, and I look forward to uh, being able to interview Atherton, San Carlos, and Hillsborough that are still on my list. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about what their point of view was. Uh, first of all, I asked the question on, on, on Senator Weiner's bill. And of course, before there, um, their, their major concern with it was is taking away from local government. Uh, the idea that Senator Weiner's bill would have uh, a, a so-called hammer from the state of California pushing every city to develop so much housing. I will tell you when talking to the different cities, each city has something different as far as their quotas. Um, uh, the city of Foster City, which I'm proud to be of, is has a 20%, but you may have a city like uh, San Mateo that does it project by project. Same thing with the city of Redwood City. 
Uh, in Pacifica, you don't have as much development. And two real key towns that uh, we, we haven't had our mayors um, been upside, but I have interviewed them, is Portola Valley and Woodside. These communities obviously don't have multi-units, don't have housing, but I asked their input. Um, I asked their input um, and their concerns, um, and they were all looking forward to in Portola Valley and Woodside to kind of comply with that new law in the books with the state with secondary housing. Um, the the Wiener bill basic basically uh, fell fell flat on his face because it it really didn't necessarily mean that it was going to be helping the people that really needed housing. Um, the the one positive thing that came out of it, Andre and I have been discussing this issue, and I have brought it to to mayors, and I brought it to city council over ten or fifteen years ago. We need to look at the properties um, that the state and county own that is right near. Uh, transit corridor stations and build on it. And Senator Wiener's bill was trying to grab a hold of that. Um, they think, at least in Senator Wiener's um, article, they were talking they need 3 million housing units along transit hub corridors. My passion about it and in talking, we cannot do housing without worrying about transportation. Uh, one thing that I pointed out to all of our elected officials is, is that we we build near corridor transportation, but there is no requirement to make sure that these people are going to take of the availability of the transit. I think it's wonderful to build near those corridors, but we need to have some kind of pull so we can actually get these people to actually take the transit, take the train, because I think the uh, they were also talking with uh, Senator Wiener's bill, which was uh, SB 827 that it would help the trains and help uh, BART and everybody else. If they built around it, it would build a new kind of environment of shops and stuff like that. That may be the case. Uh, but again, I don't think they really kind of thought it out. Uh, the, the nice thing that, they, that, that most of the city mayors is we need to do more regional planning. We do not have a regional transit district. So why are we building housing near the corridor transportation when we haven't even got the people out of their cars, taking that transportation, because we continue to build garages, you know, one car, two car garages. So I think the plan needs to be uh, worked on a lot more. Uh, the bill received 13 votes in, this, in the Senate on the transportation hearing on Tuesday. Uh, everyone advocate known that was always going to be an uphill battle, said Laura Foot-Clark of the pro-housing development in the San Francisco uh, Bay Area Group Transit. So I think the the uh, we're all passionate about housing, but until we settle, until we get in, on the peninsula, some regional uh, regional answers to solving the problems. And I can't begin to tell you. I would say ninety percent of the mayors that I interviewed want to see a transit district or want to see some kind of plan to happen. Um, so, uh, with that, Andre, what's your thoughts? So yeah, I think you actually bring up many uh, great points. Um, I think just looking at it initially, and so one of the things I think that's happened is you really have a significant divide over this housing issue. There's people that really want housing because maybe they can't find a place to housing or it's just not affordable and or they want to purchase a house. And so I think that really causes an issue because um, – how we how are we really defining what the problem is so so you have these people that really want housing right these you know the tenants and people that really need housing and then you have people that you know they actually don't want any housing right and they just don't want any more growth right um and so i i think that 
looking at the bill and just trying to understand, well, what is what are they trying to actually solve? Like, what is the problem they're trying to solve? And I think that's questionable because there's so many different factors of this housing crisis and housing issue. And when you look at really what are they trying to solve, I think that's really where things get a little bit kind of um, confusing because I think that if we're talking about overpopulation and growth uh, as a state, and right, so the idea was now that the state's going to come in and really help facilitate that growth to really meet these population demands for housing because there's just a lack of housing. That kind of makes sense. I can I can understand the perspective of the bill on that sense. However, when we talk about um, affordable housing, and this is going to really provide affordable housing, and this is what people are demanding. I mean, this is really the biggest concern of people. Is re- it's really affordable housing. I'm not seeing how this bill really directly uh, affects affordable housing on that sense, right? So, I I, I think it's it's you know there, there's it's very debatable whether building just mass buildings really going to bring down the overall market and i think that's kind of the the overall issue so i think once we can really define well what are we trying to do if we're trying to bring down the market we're trying to bring down the the affordability market for renters we're trying to bring down the affordability market for just home purchases we're trying to actually provide more supply into the market for people to actually buy okay there's there's some things that that might make sense on on one or two of those points and so i think that that's why uh you know right off the bat when i look at it it's very confusing what it's trying to actually uh address and then so from there because that's not very clear um i think that when you you know look at the way they're trying to implement by using a state controlled um process that's going to get uh you know, resistance right off the bat because, um, you, you know, giving up your control, the, the way that you want to build your community, that's something that all communities cherish, right? So you, if we, we've, we've been to Pacifica, we've been to, you know, Brisbane, we've been to, you know, Foster City, we've been to the different, you know, Redwood City, and everybody has different strategies on how they want to grow out their city and how they want their community. And I think that should be on the forefront of all the people that are involved in these decision-making processes because, in my opinion, it should be about community. It should be about really addressing the community issue and really where do we want to be on community? Where does our community want to be? And if we're talking about other issues and, and we're talking about supply and demand because go check out our Facebook uh, uh, page. I did post some articles about the Seattle um, supply and demand issue where there's one housing out of every uh, for, you know, one house for a thousand and thirty six potential buyers. Right. So it's just completely out of whack as far as, um, you know, the, 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 the balance. So there's definitely a need. But then we have to ask the question, Patrick, we have to ask the question. Well, why are why are we? Um, so short of supply because it wasn't short of supply 10 years ago, right? It wasn't so, so, so short of supply 20 years ago. So we have to ask those questions. And then when we start asking those questions, I think we're going to find different answers. And I think that's where we need to start. Well, why are we having a housing shortage? Okay, so if we're going to address the housing shortage, how are we going to start looking at it? We need to look at solutions geared towards very specific kind of issues. And I think that... Um, 
I think this, the, you know, I think what Scott was, you know, trying to do was very valiant, right? It's a valiant effort. I mean, it's something that I think that, um, you know, he really had guts to get out there and push just knowing it was going to be a difficult challenge. And he did it. Now, one of the things that I'm going to take away with this, I'm really going to take away is that it started that process to really facilitate real change. And what you were describing about having more regionalization as far as planning and things like that and really helping with the transits and things like that, those really are, you know, some great kind of solution, you know, solutions and stuff that, you know, a lot of people talk about because it's really about communication, right? Uh, You know, um, and, and so... I, th- I think there's a number of issues. So when we look at it and why it, it wasn't successful, I think th- there's a lot of reasons we can point at. But I do want to point out some very positive things, right? He started the process, started the communication. He really saw, uh, you know, there, there's people that are very passionate about. So this is going to be opening the discussion for really future bills and future change because I think we need to start this process in order to get it right, Um we have to think about sustainable change and things that are going to have downstream effects. If we're going to make a change, we want to really plan for these downstream effects. And that's something I think that this bill, you know, you know, was their transportation planning, right? Was their schools planning? Was there, um, you know, traffic congestion? Was there, you know, water resources, electricity? I mean, everything that we have to look at when we're developing, um, you know, things. I mean, if the city's already built out, and there's, you know, the only place you can left to build is next to power lines and freeways. I mean, you know, d- does that city really be need to be forced to build another, you know, 10-story structure or something? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, Andre, for our viewers, I think they should understand a, a pretty liberal city, San Francisco, voted in the Board of Supervisors 8, eight to 3 to oppose the Wiener legislation changing the city. Uh, what they said, the Department of Planning for the city of San Francisco said 96% of San Francisco property would be rezoned under the bill. Um, Wiener's amendment announced, which was on Tuesday, scaled back the increase in the height limits from four or five stories, depending on the distance from a transit stop instead of eight to 10 stories. And instead of applying all transit stop, the bill's height change would apply to rail, subways and ferries and bus stops. And density of housing would increase near the bus stops. But again, I think, Andre, you bring a valid point. We really don't have a plan, e- even though the, they're, they're talking the right buzzwords to build near the corridor transportation. We haven't been able to connect our transportation. We haven't been able to connect the SAM trams, the bus system, the BART system, all of it together so that it could flow. So even though they want to build the housing, and then you bring up a really key word, and the key word is affordable. Um, even with that said, there is, um, they were worried about landlords selling their buildings uh, and evicting all the tenants to take advantage of the high-density building and the housing. So you can't, you can't blame these people wanting to take advantage of it, too. So I think they haven't really looked at the bigger picture. and they want to re- They're kind of reacting to a broken water main or a, a broken gas line that we need to get it fixed. I, don't, I think we need to get it fixed, but we need to get it right. No, that, 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 that makes sense. And I think everybody agrees. And that's what I was talking about with, with the divide. You have people that really want the housing and you have people that don't want the housing. I think a lot of the people that don't want the housing actually are okay with housing as long as it makes sense and it's practically planned and executed in a way that, you know, 
it keeps things in balance, right? And I think that the issue is not that people don't want so much housing. They just don't want this imbalance of extra traffic and, and complete uh, overabundance of our resources where now, you know, it's just, it's just completely out of control with a lot of these things. So I, I, I think that, you know, you highlight, highlight a couple great points, you know, talking about, uh, you know, regionalization as far as, you know, some of the planning, um, and, and, and really starting this process to, to, to really discuss to solve these issues because I think that that's really what it comes down to is, you know, how are we, um, you know, thinking about solving this issue when it comes to like, you know, first, are, are, are we looking at the issue, you know, in the correct way? I mean, I, you, you just highlighted, um, you know, uh, rent control, right? So that, that's a significant issue, right? So let's, let's take San Francisco for an example. Yeah, Andre, we got a preference so that we don't take it out of context. San Francisco does have rent control, but it's not every area in San Francisco. There's certain portions of it that the rent control is is is, um, is enforced, but in, there's other areas that there is no rent control because I do manage property in the city, and the city doesn't have rent control throughout the city. Now, the, the example that we used to have, the first area of rent control uh, was in Berkeley, and they've gotten rid of it because it doesn't work. Um, uh, and it doesn't it because in, in San Francisco, you bring up a, an example. And I actually we have an interview, upcoming interview with Eleni running for lieutenant governor that there are landlords um, in certain areas of San Francisco because there is rent control. Those buildings are left vacant because they're not using those. So um, it, it's kind of a catch 22, even though we think rent rent controls um, is, is going to gradually go up. It's still supply and demand. Um, and the landlord needs to make their profit. Um, but you're also right. What we're not looking is the total demographics. Um, when we look at subsidized housing, that's Section 8 and government housing. But when we talk about affordable housing, we're talking about workforce housing. We're talking about nurses, teachers, bankers, police, and fire. But I want to dovetail back to one discussion that you brought up earlier, Andre, that's really important to our listeners. Our environmental impact reports are outdated. Every city in the peninsula is using outdated environmental impact reports. And an environmental impact report not only talks about the traffic congestion, but also talks about how much impact is police and fire going to be affected with the growth of housing or the growth of of commercial building. And that is downscaled so much that they used to think that there's 1.1 person living in a one-bedroom apartment. You have multiple families living in dwellings now. So with the advent of building more housing, are we really safer? Our listeners have to listen. Um, As you know, our police and fire in most of the Bay Area don't live in their own towns. So I, I think you bring up a strong point. We need to plan. We need to look closer at those environmental impact reports. And we, look, and we need to target the people that really need the housing. And, it, and it's not just the lower, lower poor people. It's the middle class people. It is the workforce housing. That, 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 that's a good point, actually. Um, I think we do need to look at you know, the, the whole picture. And I think you, you brought up a good point. I mean, there's so many different dynamics, right? There's so many different dynamics that are really contributing and how are we looking at, it? are we, are we, cause you know, we talked about renters. We talked about, you know, there's all kind of opportunities and really ways to really deal with the rental issue. That's completely different than the really lack of, uh, uh, you know, housing for purchasing because, you know, things like investors, I mean, you know, investors have really come, 
come in and just scooped up so much property and and i mean every time you turn on the tv there's these flip the homes and 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 all these uh these shows about really uh you know investing and how to make money and there's seminars every weekend at some hotel that to come on down and we'll show you how to make money so there's all this energy and so i think that's really driving up some of the market i mean the bay area it's just completely you know uh, out of control with uh with with uh you know the, the bidding wars that are happening and 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 the cash that's just being thrown thrown down bam you know it's 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 pretty uh it's pretty wow i mean it's like wow okay um but i so i think that once we can really di- define the issue um as far as you you know what are we really trying to address and from there because if you're talking about changing the market and i think that when you when you went down to the democratic committee I mean, yeah, the Dem- Democratic uh, Convention in San Diego, and you and you seen the people on the floor, and you heard, and you, you know, you heard from them. You spoke to the protesters, and and you heard, you know, uh, you know, people involved, and 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 it's like you hear what they're really concerned about. And when you take a step back, and you look at the bigger pictures, well, what are these people really saying? Well, they're frustrated. Why are they frustrated? Well, they're frustrated because they can't afford to live, right? And that's really because the market has gone up to a place where their living, uh, you know, the living costs are higher than really the living wages, than what we're really doing to really survive. So that's really the real issue here. The real issue comes down to, well, our living wages have not kept up with our living costs. And so what people are really complaining about is the fact that they can't afford to live based upon living costs, you know, I mean, yeah, or current living cost based upon living wages that were 10 years ago because people reflect on the past, right? They're, they look back and say, well, this is how it was. I mean, I remember in 2008, 2009 in Foster City, you can get an apartment for $1,700, $1,800 very easily, two bedroom. Now you're talking 3600 So it's basically doubled. So yeah, living living costs have basically doubled. And it's, it's well, you know the yeah. the only other thing that we need to take into consideration uh, just dealing with California with the floods and the fires that we've had, we have a shortage of workers, Andre, and most of these workers are coming from out of state. And we're talking about carpenters, we're talking about electricians, we're talking about plumbers, and they're going to need housing. A lot of these developers, the progress that we're we're having in development is taking a lot more time to do it. The cost of development whether you're going to develop a new city hall or a new rec center um, or a new building, the cost seems to be escalating rather rapidly because we don't even have these tradespeople living in the Bay Area because they can't live in the Bay Area based on that. So we're also bringing people in from um, other parts of the state to help build uh, because we have a shortage. So we have a shortage of jobs too um, or a shortage of tradespeople out there to be able to construct this housing. Um, so a lot of these people are behind their deadline anywhere from 90 days to a year. So um, I think the, you're, you're, you're really um, illustrating, Andre, the big disparity um, between um, the income that they need to live to survive in the Bay Area. And that's why people are moving to El Dorado. They're moving to Sacramento. They're moving to Martinez. They're moving to Stockton or Fresno. But then again, we're putting all that traffic on the road. So it goes back under what you've said. We need to plan, and we need to plan that regional transportation along with it. And I'm excited. I told you, Andre, tomorrow I'm interviewing uh, uh, Dave Tanner, 
uh, a Woodside uh, builder who's got a really, really remarkable idea of a transit system that goes from the Tanfran Shopping Center to uh, Tracy and Stockton in just a matter of minutes. So uh, hopefully they'll stay tuned for that. I'm excited about that tomorrow. Wow, well, that, that, that actually sounds very interesting. I mean, I think we need uh, very, you know, some ingenious solutions. We need people to come up with new ideas and how we can actually leverage what we have and also come up with new ideas. And, and really, uh, I think that's what we're about here at, uh, you know, Podcast by the Bay. And I, and I think that, so we talked about the SBA 27. We talked about some of the things, the conflicts that it had, right? The, 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 the controlling from the state really as being an issue from a lot of uh, people that we spoke with, a lot of people that really had feedback on this. Um, and there was a lot of people that didn't care about that. They just wanted housing. And I think that, I think a lot of people get that, and and so I think that you know we can use this momentum to go forward. So you know when, now when we talk about you know moving forward, and we're talking about solutions, right? And so so Patrick, you brought up some great solutions, uh, you know, talking about you know a little bit you know regional planning throughout the the cities, throughout the counties, and 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 really working together. I mean, my big thing is you know coming from quality improvement background. And when we talk about solving issues, it's really about engaging the people on the front lines to really help be a part of those solutions. And so that's where I think the cities need to be involved. If you are going to work with the state to be a part of the solutions, I think the, the cities need to be involved. Now, one of the things we could do right now, we could do right now is each city, you, you, you know, we could come up with our own processes on how to deal with these things, right? There's, there's nothing that's holding the cities back from saying, you know, we're going we're gonna to come up with some our own solutions, right, to deal with this. And so I think that, you know, that's something that people could actually start the process as well. I mean, th- there are opportunities. It's just how, how are we looking at it? How are we framing it? What, uh, what are we actually trying to actually solve, right? And so these are, these are the questions I think that when we start talking to people and we start um, looking at it, um, I think that, um, you know, it, it really opens up a lot of possibilities. So, you know, I think it's all good discussion, good topic. I think because it was so current and something just happened, and I think that a lot of people had a lot of feedback. I think we just wanted, from Podcast by the Bay, we just wanted to kind of speak upon it and really speak to these issues and give, you know, some of the listeners some feedback because we've gotten a lot of feedback. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, uh, with this, you know, we hope that, you know, this continues. I mean, this is that opportunity to keep the discussion going, keep it moving forward and really come up with some very practical planning with sustainable measures with really thought out downstream effects. And I think those are the kind of things that Andre, I just, I just want to just came across my desk. This was a quote from the mayor of Berkeley. He called the bill a declaration of war against neighborhoods. Okay, of the high density. In Los Angeles, city council members said it will it will make residential areas he represents in L.A.'s town west side look like Dubai. A community organizer in L.A. wrote, Wiener is a real real estate industry puppet who supports gentrification and displacement and compared compared to SBA 27 to President Andrew Jackson's Indian Removal Act. Well, these are getting far fetched and out there. But Andre, you bring up a most important point. It's people need to act locally. They need to act locally to take care of their own government. These the voters were asking, bring solutions to your city council people, to your planning commission, because uh, participation in the process can make your community better. Start locally. 
and then act globally. I, I agree. And I think that if, if you're looking for uh, resources from the county, from the state, I think, you know, there are opportunities. I mean, and I think that um, everything takes time. I mean, I'm, I've, I've done a lot of organizational change in my career and, uh, you know, even being a part of changes, uh, cultural change in organizations. And it's very tough. It's not an easy process. It takes a huge up and down uh, resetting of expectations and, and just really committing. And it has to be done from the top down. So I would say that if the cities are engaged and they want to be a part of it, as well as the counties and, and the states, well, everybody seems to be in the same place. Now it's just a question on, well, what is the best strategy to really make sense and, and really to, to really um, you know, deal with these uh, objectives we're trying to do because that's the that's the really key question. This is what I kind of, kind of going back to is that we have to define what what are we trying to do. If we're talking about just this population growth, and that seems to what the states looking at, right? They're looking at oh, we have a lack of we just have lack of housing. We just have a lack of housing because we have too many people, and that's quite different than the fact that we're dealing with families and people that just need affordable housing because the market's gone up and, and, and the income disparity between the living costs, that's a different issue, right? So these are completely different issues and different strategies. And and also just, you know, a, as a homeowner, if you have a homeowner and you want to sell your house, you want to go move, and then, you know, you're being outbidded and stuff because you have all these investors and you have other people that are in your same shoes trying to also move and you know, basically, there's just lack of inventory. So that's a, that's another issue, right? So it's really looking at it from all these angles. And I think that you know, while while the the 827, I think was a valiant effort, and I think it started the process. I think you know, this is our opportunity to really go forward and take these ideas and really start you know, facilitating change. And I think that's what we're doing here at Podcast by the Bay. So if you have any questions, you have any feedback. You know, definitely like us on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, Twitter is at, at Podcast by the Bay. And on um, Facebook, facebook.com slash Podcast by the Bay. And you can send us an email, podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And uh, please uh, reach out to us. And, um, you know, if you have any questions, any feedback, we definitely appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, so, um, I, yeah, go and, and And if I can, if I can encourage our listeners – Reach out to your mayors. Listen to the mayors of Half Moon Bay and Coma and Daly City and Pacific and Burlingame, Foster City, Portola Valley and Woodside and Pacifica. And if your mayor's not up here, have them reach out to us at Podcast by the Bay. We want to hear what's on their minds because you need to know what's on their minds so we can solve the problem together. Exactly. And get engaged. I mean, you know, go to the meetings. There's, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, city council meetings. There's people involved that want to be a part of the change. There's organizations like the Bay Area uh, Council that's actually also looking at uh, issues. And, and you know, everybody's trying to get involved because everybody wants similar things. But I think that once we define, you know, we can work on different things simultaneously. That's fine. But we have to, you know, really define what are we, what are we trying to address. And if it's going to be a state-level uh you know, process, I think that in order for it to be done where it's going to be sustainable and it's not going to get so much resistance, I think we need to engage the cities. And I think that's a fundamental thing. And the cities have voiced their opinion. And you can see uh, from our feedback, from, uh, you know, from from just all the quotes you read, there was a lot of pushback there. So, you know, with that, I I think uh, this has been a fun discussion just to kind of 
touch on the housing issue initially. I think uh, we definitely want to have more shows like this and bring in some special panel guests to really start addressing solutions, right, and, and really come up with some, some alternative ideas and, and really talk about uh, some of the planning on this. So I definitely think we, we have some of that coming up on some future episodes. So, uh, yeah, so with that, any last words, Patrick? No, just keep, keep getting involved. Participate in the process. Act locally so we can solve the problems globally. Sounds good. So with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off, and we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. So signing off, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to this episode of Podcast by the Bay. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned.